0: You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett.
1: And I'm Martha Barnett. And I've chanced upon a handy word for that awful mess of cables under my desk. The German word for that is kabelsalat.
0: A cable salad.
1: Exactly.
0: Or given your choice of operating system, maybe apple salad.
1: <laughs> it's a mess under there. I'm sure you have the same problem, Grant. Or
0: apple spaghetti. <laughs>
1: Yeah, some people do call it cable spaghetti.
0: (laughs) Cable spaghetti. Yeah. uh, uh, Highway spaghetti is a name for a really complicated interchange.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's Spaghetti Junction in uh, Louisville. There's another um, Japanese term for this that uh, translates as octopus leg wire, takawashi haisen. And I gather that sometimes electricians call a mess of wires like that a snake's honeymoon.
0: Snake's honeymoon. Ooh, that's nice. (laughs) Well, we'd love to hear your funny names for those oh no moments. Give us a call about that or anything related to language in your life. Language is everywhere. 877-929-9673 is toll free throughout the United States and Canada. And if you're anywhere else, you can call us a lot of different ways or reach us through the internet, waywardradio.org slash contact. Hello, you have a way with words.
2: Hey there, Uh, this is William, you can call me Will. Um, I'm calling from Dallas, Fort Worth, and I got a question for you guys. Hi Will, welcome to the show.
1: Hey Will.
2: What are you thinking about? So, a little bit of a story. Uh, My boyfriend and I, um, we're getting into an argument. I'm originally from California, he grew up in Texas. And one day I was trying to give him directions to go to a show or a store or something, I forget. But the point is, is I was saying, oh, you're going to want to take the 15 to get to the store. And he looked at me all crazy, and he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, no, you just take the 15 onto the north. You know, you go south, and uh, given in all the directions. And he stops me, he goes, no, no, no. Why did you put the in front of the highway? I've never heard <laughs> oh, anybody boy. do that before. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we're still arguing about this. <laughs> I put the in front of highway members, and he doesn't. Everybody that I know in California does it, but nobody knows uh, that thing in Texas. And I just want to know, is there an origin to this? Is it a regional thing? Like, wh- what's going on there?
0: Yes and yes, what? and I'm <laughs> guessing you're from Southern California, Will.
2: Oh, I, yes, I am, uh, in the sunny town of Temecula. Temecula, sure. Temecula,
1: just north of San Diego. Wine
2: country, hot air balloons.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you're right to suspect that there is some history behind these differences, as often happens with language, and specifically the history of uh, freeways in the United States. And in Southern California, you know, most places in the U.S. didn't start getting highways until 1956 under the Eisenhower administration, or interstate highways anyway. But 16 years earlier, California opened the first freeway in the West that connected L.A. and Pasadena. It was called the Arroyo Seco Parkway, and then later the Pasadena Freeway. And here in San Diego, just south of Temecula, uh, going west to east from the coast, you first had the Ocean Beach Freeway, and then east of that you had the Mission Valley Freeway. And then in 1964, like elsewhere around the country, California started using numbers instead of words. So the Ocean Beach Freeway and the Mission Valley Freeway became part of Interstate 8, which stretches on into Arizona. And here, old habits died hard and people held on to the the. Um, And in the same way, the Montgomery Freeway, coming up from the border with Mexico, goes through San Diego and turned into the San Diego Freeway and continues north. And now here in Southern California, we call it the Five. And there are a few other places around the country that also use the. uh, They do that in the Phoenix area and also in Buffalo, New York, which is probably influenced by Ontario, which is very near there, because uh, you'll see that in canada as well so uh people hang on to that the because of history in part and then and then things just arise independently right grant i mean they do this in the the uk in parts yeah ireland
0: and 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 the england people would talk about taking the m1
2: to go someplace Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: that is so because i suspected that it was a regional thing, considering that when I would bring it up to my Texas friends, they also looked at me in such bewilderment, too. It's really cool <laughs> that there is such a long history with that. That is really cool.
1: How do you and your boyfriend uh, resolve this dispute?
2: Uh, it has yet to be resolved. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this
1: my. This
2: is one of the reasons <laughs> why I decided to reach out so we could get some information on
1: this. Oh, boy. Well,
0: if you want to laugh together about it... Th- Saturday Night Live did some very hilarious skits called The Californians and they My, poke tremendous oh, fun I love that sketch Yeah, just, just watch those together and if you can poke a little fun at yourself, Will he <laughs> will probably be just dying with tears because they're hilarious and they do make fun of the way Californians give directions with the freeways so, <laughs> so maybe that's a way to diffuse the tension over saying The 15 or
2: The 5 <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god that's really great I'm, I'm glad that i now have some you know ammo to give an argument back to him
1: <laughs> well yeah some information maybe or maybe you just both moved back to southern california what about that
2: oh well hey we just visited took a tour on all the wines he loves it oh, oh yeah i'm sure there you yeah go. <laughs> all right well take
0: care will give our best to your boyfriend all right thank you so much bye-bye bye-bye thanks will we know that you have these little ongoing arguments about language with your significant other or your loved ones. We would love to help you sort it out. 877-929-9673 is toll free in the United States and Canada. And you know, we have numbers for Mexico, the UK, and anywhere in the world on our website. Just go to waywardradio.org slash contact.
1: I know somebody with a 20th birthday coming up, you're going to want to tuck this word away. It's vigesimal. That's V I G E S I M A L, vigesimal.
0: Oh, yeah. That was the word of the day for the dictionary.com app recently. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That means related to 20.
1: Yeah, having to do with the number 20. It goes back to Latin vigesimus, which is related to Spanish vente, meaning uh, 20, and of course also in French.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a wonderful word because it seems like it should be a part of the body. Like it relates to like the length of the <laughs> short intestine or something, <laughs> right? Doesn't it feel biological? It,
1: it absolutely does. Yes, he had a vigesimal whatever <laughs> my, my
0: vegesimal intestine or my vigesimal like maybe it describes the the twists and turns of the the bumps on the brain or, or something the, the crevices of the cerebellum I have no idea
1: it does it, it sounds very technical but I guess I guess you could uh, use it for um, you know if you're talking about uh, four score and seven years ago that's a vigesimal um, okay. phrasing. yeah or, you know the
0: vigesimal uh, anniversary of the mm-hmm. of a institution or a person.
1: hmm Yeah, we got a little ways to go before the radio show gets to our vigesimal anniversary, but yeah, I'm that's looking true. to it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Give us a call, 929-9673. Hey, that's toll-free in the United States and Canada. We love hearing from our Canadian listeners.
3: Hello, you have a way with words. Hi Martha, how's it going? Uh, Guy level. Well in the upper peninsula we got a dialect. It's like if you wanna see if you want to go like downtown, nobody says that you say downtown. And whenever we play baseball, it's like, you know, you'd ask somebody, I got a hit the other day. Well, how how did you do? How was it? And they'd go, well, I powdered it. That translates not only to hitting, but to pitching. It's like yeah. if you talk to a pitcher, you know, he uh, threw a really fast pitch. Well, how fast was the pitch? Well, I powdered it. And so I just, I just, I don't know if you've heard that the powdered, it, it goes in a lot of, it has a lot of different possibilities.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you know? a, that's classic. That goes back at least to uh, early 20th century. That's a great term. Um, the idea being here that the ball moves so fast it was like it was fired by black powder, like like from a cannon yeah. or fr- from a gun. Yeah. Although some people think, at least when the pitcher powders it, maybe it's because the catcher's mitt throws off waves of dust. But I think it's more likely that it's, it's like it was fired by black powder. Um, and it might be related to older expressions like fireball or to throw smoke, uh, which also means fastball. I'll be big on. You ever heard of throwing smoke? That also means powerful yep. pitching. That's enlightening.
3: <laughs> that's
0: yeah, it's exactly. a good one, right? You know, By the way, if you're a huge uh, baseball fan, the book for you, Guy, is Dixon's Baseball Dictionary. Paul Dixon's Baseball Dictionary.
3: I really appreciate talking to you guys again, Mike. And also to to, to to um to devote this this uh us talking to you to a uh, Dick Burroughs in town. He just passed away. He was the guy, the voice of, of baseball and Escanaba, the voice of football, the voice of everything. Um and he's just such a brilliant man. But he was an English teacher. He taught everybody how to talk and my dad was an English teacher at the college and it was just it's just great. The appreciation for English that you guys helped provide is just beyond words. Just well, a million dollars. back to the
0: man, then. Well, Gaia, we appreciate the shout-out to uh, a leader and a legend, and we thank you for your entertainment. <laughs> Take care of yourself.
3: <laughs> you got it, Grand Martha. Pleasure to talk to you. Be well.
1: Great talking Bye-bye. with you, guys. You <laughs> Bye-bye. What's the word or phrase you're wondering about? Call us, 877-929-9673. You know, sometimes you read a line in a book and it just keeps coming back to you and coming back to you. And this happened to me recently with the book Super Infinite by Catherine Rundell. That is the one about the poet John Donne. There's a line that I particularly love from that, and it keeps coming back to me when I'm out walking the dog. She writes... Dunn saw, analyzed, lived alongside, even saluted corruption and death. He was often hopeless, often despairing, and yet still he insisted at the very end, it is an astonishment to be alive, and it behooves you to be astonished. And it's, it's that last part. It is an astonishment to be alive, and it behooves you to be astonished. That just, you know, I, I you got to be present.
4: Yeah.
0: Uh, but I do like the part about s- saluting what was that? Saluting death and... Saluted
1: corruption and death. Saluting yeah.
0: corruption and death because they are a part of that experience, both
1: right, both the, right. the positive
0: and the negative. But yeah, why don't we wake up every day astonished that we have one more day upon this yes. earth? Yes,
1: yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we've created these entertainments for ourselves and we invite listeners to be a part of this entertainment. Enjoy this astonishment with us, these things that we've created, words on a page where we tell stories to each other. And you can be a part of it,
1: 877-929-9673. More about what you say and why you say it. Stick around for more of Away With Words.
0: You're listening to Away with Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett.
1: And I'm Martha Barnett. And joining us now is our quiz guy, John Chinesky. Hey, John.
5: Hey, Martha. Hey, Grant. Hey, buddy. What's up? Hey, well, you know, I just got here, but I'm going to take off. Just kidding. What I mean is, <laughs> this is we're going to do <laughs> take takeoffs. Off, hey. we, we, yeah, we've done this before. These are called takeoffs. That's where we take off the first letter of a word mm-hmm. to get another word, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, this time, we're only going to make two words by taking the letter D from the start of a word, only D this time, okay? For example, if I said that my sound equipment had been damaged in the flood, that would clue the words damp and amp. Uh Aha. Now remember, the two words will always rhyme, we're not gonna do any devil and evil, it's always gonna be a rhyme, dad and ad, like that, got it? Got it. Okay. Good, let's see what these clues clue. I say, my false shirt front has become disgusting. My dicky has become <laughs> icky. Dicky and icky. yes, very good. And if that wasn't enough, my lacy decorative mat has become rather oleaginous. My oily doily. Oily doily, <laughs> yes. And this lifeboat is no better. It's watertight, yes, but there's a breeze coming in through this crack in the canopy. <laughs> a rift, drift rift? I don't know. Uh, mm, close. Um, mm. Change the vowel and you've got giraffe. it. Giraffe, giraffe, Draft raft. Draft raft, yes. Now this, it's what the gutters on my rooftop do. Drain rain. Pay drain <laughs> rain, yes. <laughs> oh, this small baked good is quite amusing. <laughs> uh,
0: din- not dinner roll. Uh, um, oh, so
5: close. Really? Really? This small baked good is so humorous. oh, a droll roll. Oh, oh it's so so droll. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, now I've determined that this Christmas ornament hangs precisely ninety degrees from its branch. The angle dangle. Yes, the angle oh. dangle. Nice. <laughs> if you think I can't escape your clutches, you're fooling yourself.
1: Elude, delude,
5: delude, delude. Yes, there we go. elude, delude. Very good. And now I acted that role to the highest degree, but I have been relegated to the chorus. Emoted, demoted? Ooh, yes, very nice. good. Now, finally, will somebody please turn this boat's lights on? Dark arc. Dark arc. That's good. <laughs> All right. All right. Those are our takeoffs for the letter D. Nicely done, you guys.
0: Oh, Thank you.
5: Done in, done in one. Done in One. one. Done in it. one. yes. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week, John.
0: Thank you for the quiz. Talk to you then. Thank Cheers.
1: you. We do a lot of goofing around on this show, but we also take your questions about all aspects of language. So call us 877-929-9673 or send your emails to words at waywardradio.org. Hi there. You have a way with words.
4: Hi. This is Galen calling from White River, Arizona. How are you?
1: Hey, Galen. I'm doing fine. What's going on?
4: I'm curious about a question about accents. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, and probably like a lot of people in high school, my friends, uh, and I thought we didn't have an accent. Um, I realized that's probably not true, and I realized that our accent maybe in, in southern Arizona is similar to a Los Angeles or a uh, an L.A. accent, maybe from California. I was wondering if there's a general... TV accent that news anchors have or kind of this general accent and where it comes from. um, It seems like a dominant accent, but I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that and if it's an LA thing from Hollywood spreading it around or what you guys think about that.
0: That's a fantastic question. You're right about where your accent kind of fits into things. People in the West generally and I say generally boy the linguists are gonna be hopping up and down (laughs) generally have um, one accent with a lot of caveats and a lot of little pockets of different things but the West is is less divided uh, dialect wise or accent wise than the East because it's had less time to develop geographic linguistic features but um, so Arizona is more like California than it would be say like Texas or like uh, New York, but there's a larger picture here when we talk about accent. Maybe a better word to talk about is dialect, because accent is just a part of dialect. And the thing you need to know is everyone has an accent. It's just by comparison is what you're talking about. Do I have an accent when compared to somebody else? So uh, do you have an accent compared to me, Grant Barrett? Hmm. Maybe not, you and I kind of sound alike. Or do you have an accent compared to, um, what's somebody else, uh, King Charles? (laughs) Yes, you have an accent (laughs) because you and King Charles sound very different, right? Sure. And so maybe I'm hearing a
4: similar dialect.
0: Yeah, so it's because you speak a similar dialect or the same dialect. That's when you can say, oh, I don't have an accent. And the unspoken part of that sentence is by comparison with this person. So what we're talking about here is sometimes called standard American accent. And sometimes, yeah, called the the newscaster's accent. The reason it exists isn't really about Hollywood or the media, but it has more to do with notions of power. More to do with who's in charge of wealth and education and uh, government and money and and who's seen as authoritative and respectable. And all of these are loaded topics in the United States. As I'm sure you know, uh, this is a mess a lot of things come into play here racism and sexism and socioeconomic imbalances and indigenous suppression eurocentric favoritism uh anglo-centric politics and, and tons of things and so yeah. for a long time in the united states a lot of textbooks and we're talking back in the 1800s and 1700s and, and the 1900s even, uh, the standard reference works were written mostly by white men from New England and the mid-Atlantic states. And those men wrote those books according to their own habits and their own education. And so they wrote them according to how they thought words should be said and how, how language should, should be spoken. They didn't give any attention really to divergent dialects that appeared in the rest of the country, even though they were already present I um, didn't have a lot of success because obviously those uh, dialects, other dialects, didn't disappear. But that's the way that they said that you should speak. You should speak like me. I'm from these, you know, wealthy white places. This is how you should talk.
1: I think about growing up and listening to people like Tom Brokaw, you know, or Walter Cronkite. Mm. I mean, those were those yep. were the accents that uh, that you were supposed to emulate.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you should mention them. Really, I think the classic example of this accent, which kind of covers all the bases, is Ronald Reagan, who hmm. was born in Illinois, worked in radio in Iowa, then went on to be an actor in California, and then went on to work in politics. And his accent served him in all of these arenas because he had almost none of the dialect features that you could call him out and say, well, he's not one of my people because obviously when you listen to him, he sounds like he belongs to another region and I can't identify with him. Um, So he was a really good example of of the kind of neutral American accent. There's a subfield though of sociolinguistics, which I love. It's called perceptual dialectology. And how it works is that a linkist will give people a map and say things like circle the area where people speak without an accent or write uh-huh. on this map words good, bad, or neutral where you think people's accents sound like that. And it's kind of unsubtle, but you get amazing results because it reveals people's biases. It will show you that even people from the south of the United States who have a southern accent will write that they think that the people around them don't speak English properly. Even people who have a regional accent will mark their own region as not being proper English, which is amazing, because wow. they're taught that from the outside. They're taught that out by outsiders and by the systems around them. So, this is, so your question, I mean, I could go on about this, but generally... <laughs> Generally, again, what is considered a standard American accent has nothing to do with linguistics, and it's all about power and what we see as authority.
4: Wow, thank you so much for the, the concrete example of Reagan to focus on as kind of this thing. Um, and then also that that field of sociolinguistics to look into. I really, really appreciate your response. And, and sorry about the background noise. I'm on lunch duty as a teacher, so you might have heard students in the background, but we're going to listen okay. into this episode and others later. Oh, Fantastic. wonderful. Well,
0: educators are our people, so applause to you. Keep up the good work. Oh,
4: thanks for giving me so many good things to chew on and bring into the classroom. Thanks a lot for that.
0: Yeah, no okay. problem, Galen. Take care now and be well. Give our best to your students. You too. Thanks. We will. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. We'd love to hear your stories about how the way you speak has affected your life, 877-929-9673, or tell us the story in email, words at waywardradio.org.
1: Grant, I learned just this week that the term red rag is an old slang word that means the tongue. It goes back to the 17th century.
0: Red rag. Red mm-hmm. rag. Hmm. I don't think I know that one. How does that work in a sentence?
1: Well, I'm looking at uh, Francis Grose's old dictionary from 1785, and there's a citation that goes, shut your potato trap and give your red rag a holiday. <laughs>
0: Good advice at all times.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or here's a more positive one from 1908. He shook that red rag of his and a continuous flow of speech ensued.
0: (laughs) Sounds like a few politicians I know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, get your red rag shaken and call us 877-929-9673. Hello.
0: You have a way with words.
6: Good morning. This is Linda from Cooperstown, North Dakota.
0: What can we do for you?
6: My grandmother had a saying that I've thought about recently, and it was, wanton waste will lead to woeful want.
0: Oh, uh, Mm. what were you doing when she said that?
6: (laughs) Um, We were little kids, of course. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think she was probably from West Virginia, probably born Mm -hmm. in the late 1800s. Were you a wasteful child? Nope. We were pretty good, because Grandma threatened with the willow switch. Oh, the
1: willow switch. switch. (laughs) (laughs) Wanton waste will lead to willow whopping. (laughs) (laughs) Huh? Well, you might be interested to know, Linda, that uh, this kind of alliterative advice goes back to at least the early 18th century. Um, the more, far more common version of this is willful waste makes woeful want. And you can just hear uh-huh. a parent, can't you just, just it almost <laughs> lends itself to sort of a, a sing-songy kind of willful waste makes woeful want. And I can it?
0: imagine centuries of <laughs> children rolling their eyes. Oh, yes.
1: Yeah, but that goes back all the way at least to a 1721 collection of Scottish proverbs. Willful waste makes woeful want. But, uh, you know, there there are different versions of it. Waste not, want not. Waste and want Uh save and have. Here's another one. Haste makes waste and waste makes want and want makes strife between the good man and wife.
4: Oh, Oh, my. (laughs)
0: Well, Linda, this yeah. has been an insightful, delightful call, and we uh, appreciate it. All oh, right. Thank you. All right. Take care now. Be well. Thanks
1: for calling, Linda. Okay. Yep. Bye.
0: Your time will not be wasted, and you will not go in need if you dial 877-929-9673.
1: Hello. You have a way with words.
6: My name is Addie Mahoney. I'm from Nino, Wisconsin. Well, um, welcome
1: to the show, Addie. What can I do Addie. for you? Well, What's up?
6: Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be on. I love listening. I was calling in about uh, one of my grandfather's words that he used uh, quite often uh, was ikampaki. Ikampaki, I believe, if I could spell it, it would be I-C-K-I-M-P-A-C-K-Y. Okay. And so he would use this word uh, for things that would be stuck in things, typically if you had something stuck in your teeth, and he would say, "You know, you packy. you can point it out on other family members um, <laughs> <laughs> or if you had something on your shirt, or if something was stuck in something that you're trying to clean out, and that would be can packy, kind of an unknown substance that you kind of flick off or get off. Hmm.
0: Can pack-y. Wow. Wow. Okay, I've never heard that. I've never heard that either. <laughs> Let me ask you though: Was he of
6: Scandinavian descent? No, he is not. Uh, um,
0: no Norwegians anywhere in the family.
6: Not that I know of.
0: I um, mean, I know you said your last name was Mahoney, so.
6: Um, no, he's uh, it was uh, Scottish, Irish.
0: Um, oh. Too bad because uh, I, I, my theory was that ICA was is not or no in in Norwegian, and I was just thinking it was not something or like not packed or something there, not clumping. Hmm. Never right. mind then
6: <laughs> um, <laughs> i did I did come across one thing about the word um, and it was kind of odd to me because I had just started working in as a sales um, manager for plumbing in the last year. And as I was trying to find this word and find something, I came across a word, I, I, I think you would pronounce it, akum pucky, mm. and it is a plumbing term used for the gunk caught in the threads when you're taking pipes apart and whatnot. Oh, wow. Oh, really? And I thought, That's
0: amazing. You did a- astonishing work there. How do you spell <laughs> that?
6: Um, I'm trying. I think they. It was spelled A C K U M P U C K Y, and so I found that quite interesting, and it matches up with his Ickumpucky.
0: You know what? That's it. It's in the Dictionary of American Regional English as Ickumpucky. It says any of various, usually sticky, liquid or pasty sub- substances, also defined as gunk, dating back to the nineteen to 1934.
1: Whoa, and you're hired.
0: You got a job. You are <laughs> and you know what's funny, the Dictionary of American Regional English is based right there in Wisconsin. They would be delighted to know that they helped a Wisconsinite.
6: Oh, that's really yeah. interesting.
0: Um, yeah, this has got it's got citations though all over the country, including Texas, West Virginia, Missouri, Florida, Alabama, Washington, Kansas. So it's not regional, but it's got a long history. Accampucky. Um and lots of different spellings. Yeah. None of them quite like you pronounced it. Yeah, this is fantastic.
6: Yes, I wasn't sure exactly how you know how it was pronounced, but just ran across that little bit of and a word. And you know what's funny
0: is they just added this uh, uh, entry in twenty seventeen. Uh, so it's a new entry to the dictionary.
1: So Addie, we're going to mm-hmm. hire you as the director of Ikompaki <laughs> yeah. for Away <laughs> with Words because this this is yeah. so cool. <laughs> <laughs> to be doing this, yeah, in you real are. Time. Acom- I'll take the job,
0: Acompucky Lieutenant. How about that? Heck, just make you the president of Akampucky.
6: Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> I would be able to keep you very, very busy with all of my grandfather's. Work.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Um, <laughs> well, then me? we expect regular phone oh, calls. Yeah. Report in, Miss. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Many of them are completely made up, but they're That's fun. fine. Those are fun too, <laughs> but
1: not this one. <laughs> Not this one, yeah, how exciting. Yeah, thank you so
0: much for sharing your memory with us and that amazing new word, akampucky, because it sounds like what it is, right? It does sound like gunk.
6: It really
1: does.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: <laughs> well, Addie, that is going into our vocabulary right now. Thank you so Wonderful. much for
0: Wonderful, and you take care of yourself, all well, right? Well,
1: thank you, and you gave me some great information on that, and I'll look at it further. So thank you for having me on. I enjoyed myself very much. All right, much. take care now.
0: Bye-bye. Thanks,
1: Addie. You too. Yeah, <laughs> bye-bye call us 8779299673 We talked not long ago about that dip in the road or a roller coaster that causes you to lose your stomach for a second. Some people call it a thank you ma'am. Some people call it a whoopsie-daisy. And Jane Locken in Eau Claire, Wisconsin wrote to add another to that list. She said that when she was growing up in the La Crosse area of Wisconsin, everybody called that little dip in the road a hoopla.
0: Oh, oopla, yeah. So that's like the French oopla, where well, you say when uh, you lift a kid up off the floor, a baby off the floor, or you're you're hoisting something heavy. Oopla. Right. <laughs> Hit us up on our website at waywardradio.org/contact, where there are more than a dozen ways to reach us, no matter where you are in the world. You're listening to Away with Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett.
1: And I'm Martha Barnett. And Grant, you remember the conversation that we had with Kelly, who was calling us from Norfolk, Virginia, where she says people order hamburgers all the way deluxe.
0: Right. That means they want everything on it, all the condiments and all the toppings. And you and I said, we don't really know anything about that.
1: Yeah, she was wondering if the term All the Way Deluxe was unique to Norfolk. And we didn't hear from other people who ordered things that way. But boy, we sure got a lot of responses anyway.
0: Yeah, after the fact, the calls and the emails, they came pouring in.
1: They did. We heard from Sarah Jones, who said where she is in South Carolina, the terms deluxe and all the way mean two different things. She says deluxe means mayonnaise, lettuce, and tomato, and all the way means go ahead and add mustard and onions and whatever else. And Richard Fitzsimmons in Pittston, PA, wrote to say that as a teenager, he and his friends would visit Ocean City, New Jersey, and they'd hang out on the boardwalk and order hot dogs and hamburgers, and they always wanted every topping available. And the phrase that they used there was put it through the garden. <laughs> <laughs> Just run through the garden. And I've grab heard of one. that one
0: before drag it through the garden. That means you want all the toppings. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And this brought back so many memories for so many people. Steve Williams wrote us from San Antonio, Texas, to say that he grew up in Bay City, Michigan, and he says that one of his favorite summertime treats was when the family would go out to a seasonal burger joint or maybe a family-owned eatery or diner. He says, we'd all get cheeseburgers and fries and maybe a chocolate malt or a root beer float. And in that neck of the woods, a deluxe cheeseburger included lettuce, tomato, and mayonnaise on top of the toppings of mustard, ketchup, and pickle, and sometimes onion. And he says, As I've grown up, I've traveled and I've seen many menus get cute and creative with their loaded burgers with names like dumpster burger, trash burger, or everything but the kitchen sink burger.
0: Oh, yeah. That bother- don't get started on garbage plates and trash plates, because those are a whole thing in some parts of the country. Is that right? Is that yeah. a term? Garbage plates? Yeah, that's plates a and... plate. That's a term, yeah. And they can be delightful. Uh, just imagine uh, your nachos with everything. It's a huge plate, garbage and it, plate. it really looks like they cleaned out the last of the chili bowl and the last of the salsa jar <laughs> and uh, the scrapings from the bottom of everything on the condiment table. It's that just,
1: sounds...
0: It can be really good, though. because because every single one of those is delightful to the taste buds.
1: But we have yet to hear from anybody else who orders things all the way deluxe. I wonder if it really is specific to Norfolk.
0: Yeah, Norfolk, Virginia might just have their own thing, and that's not unheard of. We have regionalisms all across the United States and Canada and elsewhere in the world, no matter what language you speak, it's English or Spanish or something else, and we would love hearing about regionalisms. It's just one of the ways that we identify ourselves. We know who we are and where we come from. So tell us who you are, where you come from, and what your regionalisms are. 877-929-9673. That's toll-free in the United States and Canada. Or email words at waywardradio.org. And if you want some other way to reach us, there are at least a dozen more. Find them at waywardradio.org slash contact.
1: Hello, you have a way with words.
7: Oh, hi. Uh, good morning. My name is Mike Roberts, and I'm from uh, Ukiah, Northern California. And I have a, a, a saying that I've heard a long, many times about somebody knowing their onions, and then after calling you initially, I, I googled, and it was from knowing um, onion rings. It's Cockney rhyming slang for things. So I found that very in, I found that very interesting uh, because I'm from London, born and raised in London. And then I also found out that um, the rhyming slang started in the 1840s, and um, but there was no uh, record of it being uh, uh, used, uh, no literary record until 1922. So I was ask- I was looking for an earlier record. Uh,
0: yeah, that, okay, so let's break this down. So you're talking about to know one's onions, and that means? Right. To know no one's business. Yeah, to know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And you knew this from your time in London, where you grew up?
7: Right, I've never heard of it after since.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. not well known in the United States. Although at one time it was, you would you would find it in uh, in the U- United States in the early 1900s. I've got a cocked eyebrow out here. I'm super suspicious of that that origin story. I'm not going to discount it because I haven't seen your source, but right. generally, know your onions um is thought to be just a part of a whole grocery store worth of other expressions that are involved produce. You could know your beans, know your apples, sweet potatoes, vegetables, eggs, cucumbers, oats, bananas, goods, fruit, <laughs> groceries, oil. All of these things have been expressions, all of the meaning to know what you're talking about. And the earliest right. ones that I know of is to know your beans or to know beans from the 1840s. Right. right, right. Um, there is a French expression from the early 20th century, and it's about the same age as to know one's onions, a little little newer, s'occuper de ses oignons. It translates as to mind your onions, and it means to mind your own business. So it's not quite the same gotcha. meaning. So it's right, possible exactly. that there's an overlap or a transference happening in one direction or the other.
3: But in any case, yeah. we
0: think our our prevailing theory is to know your onions is just simply one of these many expressions that means to mind your business. And it simply has to do with being able to go to the marketplace and recognize quality produce when you saw it. And it, it I think that it probably isn't rhyming slang. However, I'm open to new evidence. And if uh, if I find okay. new evidence that it is rhyming slang, I will let everyone know. Okay?
7: Okay. Very good. Well, thank you very much.
0: Sir. All right. Mike, thank you so much for calling. We appreciate it.
7: No, it, it, it's my great, great pleasure to be on the radio as well. I love your show. Thank you so very much for both you Thanks guys. so much. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.
0: So, we know about free libraries. These are where you leave books for your neighbors to take and mm-hmm. they leave books for you to take.
1: And there are also seed libraries. I've seen those where where people leave seeds, uh, local native seeds.
0: Yeah, there's one in my neighborhood. It's it's lovely. Mm-hmm. It's all California native seeds that you can plant in your yard or your garden. And there's a a name that I came across for another box of this sort. Um, the boxes where you leave canned goods for people in need are sometimes now called blessing boxes.
1: Oh no, kidding! Blessing box.
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a good. That's a good term for it. You know, if you're blessed with good fortune, mm-hmm. you share some of that good fortune with your neighbors or other people who are passing by and don't, don't have what you have. A blessing. Oh, what box. a
1: cool term. Yeah, blessing it's a good term.: box. Well, we invite you to leave a little something for us in our email box, words at waywardradio.org. Hi there. You have a way with words. Hi. Um, this is Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Where are you calling from?: Cuyahoga Falls,
8: Ohio
0: welcome what can we do for you
8: thank you um i was just interested in finding out a little more about um, something that i've always heard which was um, a lot of older couples i hear call each other mother and father and i wondered why that was
0: they use this as names for each other like the the man will call the, the woman mother and the woman will call the man father yeah yeah.
1: And is this something you hear in your family, or do you work with a lot of folks who do this? Uh, I've never heard it in my family.
8: I've heard it in other people's family, and I'm a nurse, so I've worked with a lot of elderly over the years,
4: mm-hmm. and
8: I've heard it between them.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you get a sense that it happens to couples that have children?
8: Um, some of them have children. Others, I don't think that they did,
0: or okay. maybe they had children in the past, how do you how do you feel about it? Are you just curious, or do you have feelings one way or the other?
8: Um, I mean, I don't really have any ill feelings towards it or anything like that. I'm just um, a little thrown off by it, <laughs>
4: okay? Because
8: I'm yeah. not used to hearing it from my generation or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad you asked about it because there's always a little more to this sort of thing than first meets the eye. Occasionally people will comment on this sort of thing where two adults call each other mama or papa or mother and dad or mother and father. And talk about a sense of a loss of identity or that somehow the claim of parenthood has somehow usurped the role between a married couple, and they're no longer calling each other um, husband and wife or pet names between them that talk about their relationship without any reference to children or uh, offspring. But one thing I should say is it's not necessarily generational. It's more likely to be the kind of thing that is cultural, passed along almost as a family way. Uh, That is something that you heard done by your grandparents or your relatives and that you learn to do just because you've seen it done and not necessarily regional or geographical we know that at least goes back as far as the 1850s because charles dickens used it in his book little dorrit which was published in 1855. i asked about whether or not they have children because for many cases it's because when you're talking about your spouse in front of very young children, you use the name for your spouse that the children are most likely to understand. So when my son was very little, I wouldn't say Sarah, my wife's name, in front of my son. I would say Mama because that's what he calls her. And so after a few years of that, it kind of stuck. And even now that he's 15 and probably already taller than me, it still seems a little weird to call her by her name in front of him. I just call her mama. Hmm. Um, and I, only when we're in front of outsiders do I catch myself. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's weird to say mama across the table in front of her <laughs> father. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. it does seem very odd. But amongst the three of us, it is a, a special name for her. That only two people in the whole world get to call her. And, you know, it doesn't only happen in English. Um, other other languages and other cultures do the same thing. And gran- it happens to grandparents as well. My mother and father went from being mom and dad to pop and grammy. And I even now call my mother grammy when, when we're around and my son is around because that's how he knows her. Um, even though for my whole that's life until he was born, I called her mom.
8: That makes sense. That was pretty informative. I didn't really think of it that way. So... It's yeah. nice to know that um, where it
0: came from.
1: Thank
0: you. All right. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Bye, Rachel. Call us to talk about any aspect of language whatsoever, 877-929-9673, or send us an email. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Hey there. You have a way with words.
9: Hi. My, uh, my name is Fernando Rivas from San Antonio, Texas.
1: Oh, welcome to the show. What can we do for you?
9: I actually am calling because I wanted to know about a word that I use a lot at work, and uh, I didn't quite know uh, where it came from. Great. What do you do? I'm an art preparator. I'm a contract art preparator, so I work at different galleries. Right now, I'm at the Briscoe Western Museum of Art, um, but I do other galleries, uh, other museums as well, Uh, and I do a lot of art handling, um, moving pieces on and off the walls. Mm. Preparing them for shipment, uh, and then getting the galleries ready. Uh, once a new show is going to start, uh, we have to paint the walls, and it's a lot okay. of fun. I get to t- I get to touch the art.
1: <laughs> wow, <laughs> <Nice>. cool!
9: <laughs> yeah,
0: no no guard to stop you. That's cool. So what's yeah. <laughs> what's the language? What's the question that you had?
9: We have a painting term called a holiday. Um, when you're applying paint, often with a roller, uh, if you apply the paint. Um, a little bit unevenly with your weight like weight distribution is a bit uneven, uh, it'll cause a little bit of a line of drip of excess paint to to drip um, and uh, from the very beginning my first gig at uh, Blue Star Contemporary um, uh, Keaton Foreman my my uh, technician the, the, the gallery um, head there uh, ref- told me go fix a holiday that you left over there on uh, whatever wall. And I didn't know what he meant. And uh, But since that time, I, I've had a, a few painting jobs in a few different museums and whatnot, and it's,
0: it's used often. Fernando, uh, this is great. There's an amazing history behind this word. Would you believe me if I told you it goes back to the 1700s? <laughs> Absolutely not. I think you're lying. We're talking about <laughs> this specific holiday, not the holiday where you take a day off from work, but the holiday <laughs> related to... Um, a gap or a space or a neglected area when you're trying to apply a, a, an even coating, and um, okay. as you note, it's often a space missed when uh, an often a space when painting, but more often it's a space missed, a mist, not a drip, ah, but not too much paint, but it's a space that you've uh, left a little bit off, or wow, and not okay. just when painting, okay. but like in. The original use was shipbuilding when they were tarring the bottom of a boat if they didn't apply tar to the whole bottom of a boat that was called a holiday
9: wow that's fascinating
0: it's been used many different industries a lot of different ways but always refers to something that isn't consistent with the surrounding area so either it's a gap or a hole or it's thinner there so even in logging, like uh, you know, cutting timber, it can be an open area in in the woods or a glade where the trees are thinner or there aren't any trees. Um, um, in lots of industries, it's just a job that has gone undone, where you've done everything except this one part of the job, and that's a holiday. Um, when they during World War II, when they were mine sweeping, when they were looking for enemy mines on the floor of the ocean, they called the part of the ocean floor where they didn't sweep for mines, the holiday.
1: (laughs) Or or even domestically, you know, if you're having somebody clean your house and they're dusting, you'll say, don't leave any holidays.
9: Yeah, yeah. I'd love to know where that came from because that's way deeper than I thought. In life, a holiday (laughs) is something
0: out of the usual. You know, ordinarily, you're working a lot. You know, you're doing your daily business and every day is like every other day. But a holiday is when all bets are off and the day isn't ordinary. So that's why it's called the holiday. It's unusual. Ah. It's exceptional. That's it. It's nothing. (laughs) It's just, it's unexpected. You know, it's just not the way things ordinarily go. And that's why it's called the holiday.
1: How about that? Wow. That's something.
0: (laughs) So 300 years, this word has been around and you have just the latest version of it.
9: (laughs) So cool. Thank you for that. Uh, that's way deeper than I thought it would be. <laughs> Well, you, you of, touched my moment. one of
0: my favorite things. This is, uh, this is why I love doing this job. I, I love the, yeah. the jargon of the trades. The slang and the,
3: the aha trades. moments. And yeah. now you can share yeah. that with your colleagues.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fernando, thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Well, is there a word at work that you keep running into and you keep puzzling over it and you talk with your coworkers about it and they just can't figure it out and neither can you? We can help. or send it to us in email. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Our team includes senior producer Stephanie Levine, engineer and editor Tim Felton, and quiz guide John Chinesky.
0: We'd love to hear from you, no matter where you are in the world go to waywardradio.org contact.
1: Subscribe to the podcast, hear hundreds of past episodes, and get the newsletter at waywardradio.org.
0: Whenever you have a language story or question, our toll-free line is open in the U.S. and Canada. 1-877-929-9673. Or send your thoughts to words at waywardradio.org.
1: Away With Words is an independent production of Wayward, Inc., a nonprofit supported by listeners and organizations who are changing the way the world talks about language.
0: Special thanks to Michael Breslauer, Josh Eccles, Claire Grotting, Bruce Rogo, Rick Seidenworm, and Betty Willis.
1: Thanks for listening. I'm Martha Barnett.
0: And I'm Grant Barrett. Until next time, goodbye.
1: Bye.